The New York Islanders win their fourth straight as Bo Horvat has energized this team. We'll break it all down for you, including Horvat and what his addition has meant. All that and more on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Sart tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. And welcome, everybody, to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for being part of the Locked On Islanders family and for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. So much to get to after the Islanders 4-0 win over the Kraken, but first... If you've got something Islanders-related on your mind, if you have a question, a comment, maybe a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future show, feel free to send us an email, the email address LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com, and we will get to some emails later on in today's show. And if you leave your first name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the program when we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news, notes, and happenings, and I am live tweeting during nearly every Islanders home and road game, so join me for some instant insight and analysis, and it's always great to interact with Isles fans, game time, or any time. Wow. Islanders downing the Seattle Kraken 4 to nothing. Remember the Kraken came into this game in a four-way tight race for first place in the Pacific Division and the Islanders came out and played one of the better games we've seen them play all season. And you know, I can't remember the last time I could say the following things. Number 1, with the exception of maybe the first four or five minutes of this game, the Islanders played sound positional defense throughout. Number two, all four lines were creating quality scoring chances, and that is a big deal because, what, the last time the Islanders scored four goals in a game, what do you have to go back to, January 3rd, was it, or uh, second or third against Vancouver in Vancouver when they scored six. And in so many of the games, even the last three wins, it's been two goals. One goal, no goals, but, you know, two, two, two. 
four is a big deal, and you get the feeling it could have been more if they needed it. And to me, that was a great sign. Now, before this game even started, we found out Alexander Romanov uh, would not play for what the team described as personal reasons. So what happens? Samuel Bolduc steps in, gets his first NHL goal, and oh, by the way, it also turned out to be the game winner because it put the Islanders up 1-0 and they didn't give up any goals. So congratulations to Bolduc on getting that first NHL goal. And believe me, it was it was a good shot. It was a you know one of those situations where there were two players in front of the goal. So the you know Martin Jones was screened, but you know, to get that goal on a nice shot from just inside the blue line, gotta feel good. Let's start this analysis, though, by talking about the impact of Bo Horvat, because, yeah, he got his first goal of uh, the year for the Islanders anyway, and it was the fourth goal, you know, it wasn't, uh, it, it was a nice goal to get, and, you know, he didn't get great wood on it, but it still went in, nice play by Matthew Barzal to get it going, <coughs> excuse me, but, the key to me, when I break it down, it is too soon to say what the long-term impact of Bo Horvat is going to be. Both this season and, you know, he has got eight more years left after this season where he is going to be on this team and be one of their top six forwards. But what we've seen so far, first of all, there's a different energy about this team since the trade. And again, yeah, it's been two games, so you can't draw long-term conclusions, but certainly there was a different buzz at the arena tonight. You could hear it before the game, during the game, in the stands, and the team just seems more energized. It's almost like this trade by Lou Lamorello to get Bo Horvat Number one, addressed a lot of the Islanders' needs for more goal scoring. But number two, it was also, in a lot of ways, an emotional vote of confidence by management and the front office in the players that are on this team. Now, we don't know yet whether or not that's well-founded, but it turned out to be uh, something that the team responded to in a good way. And you could see the increased energy and effort by all the players who were dressed for this game. And Matthew Barzal was also energized. We are seeing him, you know, for example, on the Horvat goal, which he got an assist on. He is being more aggressive on the puck. He gave up less turnovers in this game, didn't skate around, was credited with no giveaways. But digging for pucks in the corners now, before Horvat came, he was playing center, so he's not along the boards as often. But Barzal is being more aggressive. He is doing the little things that he couldn't or wouldn't always do before Bo Horvat's arrival. And then I think the other big area that we've seen Horvat have an impact on, and it was definitely noticeable last night against the Kraken, the face-off circle. You look at the Islanders, they now have three really strong face-off centermen, and 
really four because Casey Sezekis is usually good. Now, he didn't have a good night last night, only going two and six out of eight draws. But the other three, Bo Horvat, 10 wins in 15 draws. Okay. J.G. Pajot, nine in 13. Brock Nelson, eight in 11. You have those four guys as your centers. You should be winning 53, 54, 55% of your draws fairly consistently. You get possession of the puck. That makes a big difference. How many times over the course of this season have we seen, especially in the Islanders zone, the Islanders give up a goal right off the faceoff? You put Bo Horvat or J.G. Pajot in the defensive zone, taking those face-offs, you're going to win more often than not. That's going to cut down on your goals against. And on the flip side, it's going to increase your goals for because some of those goals are going to come right off of face-offs as well. So, you know, in those two ways in particular early on, we have just seen the way this team has responded. And I think it's sort of like a perfect storm at least it was against the Kraken, where there's a ripple effect throughout the lineup. Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, and Kyle Palmieri, you know, Nelson was the only one of the three that had a point in this game, although the line was out there for the goal by uh, Bolduc. But... You know, they don't have as much pressure on them offensively now that there's another line that is starting to gel and that other teams have to be aware of. For a while, it looked like J.G. Pajot had broken his 15-game goal slump, but later his goal was changed to Zach Parise. And so two assists for Pajot, but no goals in this game. So the goal slump continues, but a solid effort. And... Three out of the four lines scored at least one goal in this game. And that, to me, is impressive with the Pajot-Parise-Holmstrom line being a plus two. Even the fourth line, where Hudson Fashing played really strong, they were getting scoring chances. Ezekis going to the net, creating chances. Fashing had three shots on goal. Matt Martin was making good plays. This was a total team effort, and part of that is due to the ripple effect of the energy this team has fed off since the trade was made. We have got more to discuss on this episode. We'll talk about our unsung hero of the game. We'll talk about the goat of the game. I don't even know if there is one. And we will, of course, further break down some of the spectaculars from this one. We've also got our farm report and some of your emails, so lots to get to on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download the FanDuel app now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. 
you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on, one word, to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Whew, wow, what a what a game. And uh, just a, a great feeling to see this team play with enthusiasm and energy and grit and to play smart positional hockey. You know, you look at the final statistics and the shots on goal, well, the Islanders were outshot 31 to 27. But when you look at the shot chart, uh, I'm counting five shots, maybe six in the really high danger areas by the Kraken and about nine or ten by the Islanders and three of the four Islander goals coming from those high danger areas. The Islanders did a great job of keeping the Kraken on the perimeter, not letting them gain the zone with speed, and it really, really did make a difference. Ilya Sorokin spectacular as well 31 saves back-to-back shutouts for Sorokin and that is a a very good feeling for this Islanders team and yeah I, I, I just am very pleased with the overall performance here by the New York Islanders now we got some emails so I did want to uh certainly address those And it is great to always hear from our listeners. So uh, first we have Nathaniel in Arkansas. And he says, my name is Nate and I'm from Arkansas. I have a gut feeling that Lou is going to make one more big move here soon. I do believe Wallstrom is going to be available for trade depending on his health status. Bailey and Pajot and more surprisingly than most, Ryan Pulak with our first with our two first-round picks possibly unavailable to trade, I do believe Timo Meyer and Cam York are going to be players that we can possibly go after. A puck-moving defenseman and a sniper is what we need. Moving at least Bailey and Pulak or Pajot will clear our cap space enough to extend Sorokin and extend one of those two players. What are your thoughts on the possibility of that happening? Do you think Lou would be willing to move one of his favorite players in Pulak, in order to improve our prospect pool, let me know your thoughts. Well, first of all, Nathaniel, thank you so much for the email. Great to hear from you again. And I, I think you're right when you say that Lou is going to look to make another move. The only thing is, I don't know if he has the ammunition to pull off a blockbuster like a Timo Meyer. The thing is that a team like the Sharks and any other team like, you know, the Coyotes with Chikrin or uh, any team that is the Blackhawks who have Patrick Kane and, and, and Jonathan Taves, they're looking for young players and prospects uh, and draft choices. So offering them a Bailey and a Pajot and a Pulak even, even though Pulak is a great player and could help them now, 
It's not what they're looking for. They're looking for those young players and those draft picks. And I don't know if the Islanders have what they need to pull that kind of a deal off. Now, the other factor is this. When you mention Oliver Wallstrom, uh, heard that he was seen with a brace and a full leg cast in the press box at the game today. So there is no timetable for his return. He hasn't started skating. I would say the odds are that Wallstrom is not coming back at least until very late in the regular season or even in the playoffs at the earliest. So the trade deadline is now less than a month away. I can't imagine him being somebody who another team would want to take right away under those circumstances, and that will make it harder. So, Nate, thank you for the question. I think Lou will make another move. I just don't know if it could be that big a move. Uh, Another, you know, possibility, well, we'll discuss that with our next email, and that's Dale from Knoxville, Tennessee. Dale, good to hear from you again. Hey, Gil, what do you think the Islanders should do with Varley? If they traded him, what kind of return do you think they would get? If they re-signed him, what do you think the new contract would look like, amount, and term? Dale, thank you for the email. Always good to hear from you. Uh, If they could re-sign Varley for roughly half of what he's making now, two and a half to three million a year, a one, two, I wouldn't want to go three years, but if he's willing to take less money, I might add a third year to the deal. That would be the terms I would re-sign him on. More than that, and I think you're better off trading him. The one thing you don't want to do is keep him and get and lose him for nothing during the offseason. I think you might be able to get uh, a second-round pick for Varley, maybe a prospect, a, 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 not an elite prospect, but a mid-level prospect, or you know maybe the right contending team that needs goaltending might be willing to part with a first-round pick, but not necessarily for an older rental goalie. The way you get a first-round pick for Varley is if a a good team without a lot of goaltending depth suffers an injury and they need to find a goalie who is capable of starting, and then you might be able to get a first-round pick or a better prospect for Varlamov. So I'd love to keep him if you could cut the salary down to two and a half or three million a year and keep the term at two years or one year. I'd go three if he's willing to go a little lower per year, but let's see. One more email to get in, and this one is from Paul in Manchester of the United Kingdom. So long distance, all three long distance here today. Hi, Gil, keep up the great work on the podcast. Wanted to get your thoughts on Matt Maggio, who I read is now the leading point scorer in the OHL. How good do you think he can be, and how long before he is NHL ready? He could be used as a big piece in a trade, although I personally like to see him develop in the system and be a part of a more exciting young forward group. So, Matt Maggio, I I, I love what he's doing this year, and... I think he has some potential. I, I, I do. The thing about Maggio, I do think he's at least a year or two away. He's only 20 years old. He's not the biggest guy. 5'11", uh, about 185 pounds, give or take. 
So, you know, he's not the kind of guy that is going to really bowl you over with his physicality. Uh, he was just drafted a year ago. I, I think there is a good possibility as a winger that, you know, he could that he could uh, be here in, let's say, two years. But he's still in juniors. And I think for Maggio, the most likely thing is he finishes this year in juniors, goes up to Bridgeport next year, and then ends up with the Islanders hopefully maybe late next year or early in 2024-2025. So that's my take on Matt Maggio, and I'd love to see. I don't know what you can get back for him yet at this point because of his, his being a couple of years away, but maybe a, a team that's looking for prospects might be willing to deal, uh, acquire him as part of a deal. But the way the Islanders prospect situation is, and it's pretty bare, I would like to see them keep him and develop him, as you said. So thank you uh, to Paul in Manchester, UK. Appreciate that. We've got more to get to. We've got our Islanders birthday of the day. We've got our farm report, and uh, we have our unsung hero and goat of the day. So all that and more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And you're going to love these flavors. Peanut butter brownie, churro, coconut almond, my personal favorite, cookies and cream. And look, the macros are incredible. Only 130 calories on average per bar, just 4 grams of sugar, but they pack a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now, we've been talking to you about Built Bar for a while, and we've told you, you can go to Built.com and order a box, and that's still true, but now you can also head to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and just walk in and get a box. So, head over to Built.com, Walmart, or Sam's Club, and check out the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar. All right, Farm Report time as we talk all things Bridgeport. Not the best week last week for the Bridgeport Islanders. They had two games, losing the first one uh, to the Hershey Bears 4-1 to one, uh, on Friday of last week. And the only goal for the Islanders in this one, Chris Terry potting that one. Jakob Skarek, 25 saves as he started for the fourth straight game, but uh, wasn't enough as the Islanders lose 4-1 to one to Hershey. Then on Saturday, a 5-4 overtime loss uh, in that one to the Springfield Thunderbirds, that one on the road, but a goal and an assist for William Dufour, three assists for Dennis Chalowski. So those were some good performances there and 34 saves for Corey Schneider. And it was good to see him back in there and the Bridgeport Islanders, two of their goals coming on the power play six for six on the PK. Eric Brown had the other goal for Bridgeport. So not the best uh, weekend, just the one point out of a possible four for Bridgeport. And they now fall to 
seventh place in a very tight Atlantic division right now. Nine points separate third from last place in this division. So one little hot streak and Bridgeport is right back in the fight. Now they also did have the uh, AHL All-Star game. Samuel Bolduke was supposed to be one of the Islanders representatives, but he was called up, as we mentioned on the show on Monday. But Ruslan Iskakov was representing, and he did pretty darn well during the skills competition. Had two goals in the three-on-three All-Star Challenge, which was on Monday. So uh, congratulations to Ruslan Iskakov for his strong performance as Bridgeport representative doing what they do well right now Chris Terry still the leading scorer on this team with 44 points while Andy Andreoff has 20 goals to lead the team he has 38 points overall Arno Durando and Iskakov with 31 points William Dufour 15 goals 28 points and Samuel Bolduke who is now with the big club and scored his first NHL goal last night he leads all defensemen with 26 points, 8 goals, and 18 assists in 41 games. Schedule-wise, for Bridgeport, uh, not a lot going on this weekend. Just uh, the one game, it's at Lehigh Valley, Saturday, a 7.05 Eastern time start, and we'll see how the Islanders do in that one. So that's where we're at right now with the Bridgeport Islanders. Goaltending-wise, Jakob Skarik starting to get that goals against number down and that save percentage up, 3.42 goals against, 888 save percentage. Corey Schneider, 255 goals against, 923 save percentage. Uh, As for our unsung hero of the game, J.G. Pajot, big in the face-off circle, two assists. We'll give him the unsung hero. And I can't name a GOAT. There really wasn't a player who didn't do very well for the Islanders in this game. I'm I'm going to to leave it at that. And believe me, if I could find someone, I would fill the slot. But the game the Islanders played last night, nobody really earned GOAT of the game honors or dishonors, as you would put it. As for our Islanders' birthday of the day, today is the 39th birthday of former Islanders winger Sean Bergenheim, the Helsinki, Finland native, first-round pick of the Isles in 2002, came to North America for the 03-04 season where he made his Islanders debut and got his first goal, stayed with the Islanders through the 2009-2010 season, 15 goals was his max in 08-09 in just 59 games. And Bergenheim had good speed, was a good skater, uh, but realistically, uh, you know, a solid third liner in the NHL. Later played for Tampa Bay, Florida, and Minnesota before finishing his career in Switzerland and Sweden. Hung up his skates after the 2017 2018 season, 96 career NHL goals and 180 points in 506 NHL games. In his magic moment, a hat trick, the only one of his NHL career, March 7th, 2009, at the Nassau Coliseum against the Devils in a 7-3 Islanders win. 
That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with the latest Islanders news, notes, and happenings and a preview of what promises to be an emotional game Thursday against the Vancouver Canucks. So Anthony Bevilier against the Islanders, Bo Horvat against his former team should be a great one. Until then, stay safe, everybody. Have a great day. And of course, let's go Islanders.